Last week we were in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 11, and we were looking at how God has brought us back from the dead and what this new life we have been given in Christ looks like. Today we'll be continuing that train of thought. Paul continues to give instructions to the Colossian church about what it looks like to live life as children of God. If you have your Bibles with you, please join me in reading Colossians chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 12 to 17. If you do not have your Bibles with you, the words will be up on the screen. We read the word of the Lord together this morning. Colossians chapter 3, 12 to 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and all these virtues, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thus ends the reading. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word this morning. God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls as you speak through your word to us today. We give this to you. We thank you and we praise you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Now, I'm, I'm self-aware enough to know that I kind of have my go-to illustrations Right, sports, there's action movies, there's some like fantasy books, maybe some war stories, a little history. You know, we try to hit some of those those angles. And I recognize that often those illustrations can, you know, depending on your interest, they they, they may tend to cater a bit more towards the men. Well, ladies, today is your day. <laughs> today we talk about clothes. I grew up in a in a tiny little town in northern Saskatchewan, Canada. We didn't have a lot of fancy malls with nice, 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 nice clothes anywhere nearby, but even if we had, I doubt I would have gone to the mall to find clothes. I, I preferred a much more prestigious establishment, the Salvation Army. And I know some of us may cringe at the idea of buying and wearing clothes that have already been worn, but the shirts were so soft and broken in. It was awesome. In our text this morning, Paul is writing the Colossian church about Christian clothes. And no, he's, he's not writing about suit jackets and ties for the men or long dresses for the ladies. He's writing about clothing ourselves with the qualities of Christ, with the qualities of what God wants to see in his chosen people. As we read in verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Compassion. The first article of clothing that God asks his people to put on could also be translated tenderness of heart or tender mercies. In the ancient world, the maimed, the sickly, the old, the mentally unwell were not treated with care, but were taken advantage of or discarded. 
Compassion is treating those in vulnerable situations, those who are walking a difficult path with sympathy, respect, and tenderness. Kindness is the second article of clothing that the Apostle Paul tells the church in Colossae to put on. It's something that we're all familiar with, right? It's, it's being genuinely nice to people. Not nice because you want something from them or because you want to look good in front of others or out of some obligation, but being nice, being kind, because you genuinely care about the other person. Kindness does not happen naturally in human relationships. Kindness needs to be worked on. Kindness is intentional and it's beautiful. The, the Greek word here that is translated kindness was also used to describe wine that has grown mellow with age and lost its harshness. In Galatians, it is listed as a fruit of the Spirit. In Romans, we read that God's kindness leads us to repentance. The third article is humility. This is a word that the Greek Christians in Colossae would have never applied to themselves. William Gladstone, the learned prime minister of England, once remarked to his scholarly peer, John Morley, it is a pathetic reflection that while humility is the sovereign grace of Christianity, the Greeks had no symbol in their language to denote it. Every word that is close to it has in some element of, of meanness, feebleness, or contempt. And yet the gospel took this word of contempt and made it one of its chief graces. This is the word used to describe Christ's humbling himself and becoming obedient even to death. Throughout his time on earth, Jesus called his disciples, his followers, to serve God with all humility, not taking themselves more seriously than they ought to. The fourth article of clothing we see in our text this morning is gentleness. There's a misconception that a, a gentle person is a weak person or, or a meek person. This is simply not true. For gentleness is strength under control. Numbers tell us that Moses was a gentle man, a meek man, the meekest man on earth. But at the same time, Moses was a man who could act decisively, be hard as nails, and rise in anger at the proper time. Those wearing the true garment of gentleness or meekness are immensely powerful people, for they are controlled by God. And the final garment in our closet of our text this morning is patience. Long suffering in the face of insult or injury. This too is one of the fruits of the Spirit we read about in Galatians, and it means more than just enduring difficulties or passive resignation to the circumstances we find ourselves in. Patience is the con in this context is a willful reliance on God. A trusting in his promises, even though we have not seen them fulfilled. A resting in God's working in us and through us, even though we do not feel equipped or able. These are the qualities that God wants to see in his church, in his people. These garments are what he wants us clothed in, wrapped in. But they aren't garments for a night in, right? Watching a movie on the couch in the solitary silence of a peaceful house. In his commentary on Colossians, Kent Hughes notes that something to realize about this wardrobe is that all these garments are meant to be worn in relationship with others. How tempting to think that these garments would be so much easier to wear if we did not have to wear them among other people, right? How much easier to think about compassion than to do it. 
How much easier to be kind when we are away from mean people. It would be far easier to put on humility and gentleness if we were not being jostled by the proud and the assertive. How much easier patience is in isolation. But that is not the way that it works. Wearing saintly attire promotes the capacity to bear with one another, to deal with one another. Even we, sometimes especially we, in the church, struggle with this. There's a story that took place back in the days when you could smoke on planes. And before there were designated smoking sections on the planes, there's a story of a passenger who started to light up a cigar when the stewardess informed him that cigar smoking was not allowed unless it was all right with the person in the immediate area. Do you object to his smoking? She asked the woman seated next to the man. I absolutely detest cigars, was the stony reply. The stewardess then spoke to a young man near the front of the cabin and came back to report that he would not mind sitting next to a cigar smoker. As the cigar smoker, smoking man made his way forward to his new seat, his former seatmate, the boisterous woman, turned to the stewardess and confided, confided, I've been married to that man for 30 years, and I still can't stand his awful cigars. Even though we live close to each other, are involved in God's mission together, maybe we are even in the same family unit, there are times, and there will continue to be times, that we do things that drive each other crazy. There will be personality traits that, that cause us to fume. There will be habits and, and sayings and voices and ideas and thoughts and mistakes made and, and victories allotted that will drive us straight bananas. Sinful people living in close community with sinful people will inevitably lead to sinful interactions and sinfully broken relationships. In our text this morning, God is making it clear that it is his desire that we live in community well. That we would flourish in the relationships that he has brought into our lives. That we would show compassion to each other, kindness to each other. That we would be humble and patient in our dealing with each other. These are the clothes, the works, the fruit, if you will, of a Christian. So how are we doing with that? Shopping at the Salvo, as we used to call it, was like going on a treasure hunt. You never knew what you would find, and, and you had to beat the friends you brought with you to the treasure. One of my favorite finds was a blue shirt that had a smiling tooth on the front of it. And above the tooth were the words, no cavities. And at the back of the shirt, it read, I am one of Perkle's perfect patients. My second favorite was a long, soft green t-shirt. And it had white and yellow stripes on the shoulders. And on the upper right-hand chest, it said, George. And on the back, it said, I rule the roost. Now, neither of those shirts were telling the truth. I absolutely had cavities. And I definitely did not rule the roost, nor was my name George. But I wore them anyway, because I liked how they felt, and I found the irony of their messages humorous. Do you ever feel like you were ironically wearing the clothing God has laid out in this celestial closet? Like you're wearing the clothes of a Christian, but you know that they don't actually describe you, but they, they feel good. And so you put them on and just hope that people won't catch on to the irony. 
Or maybe you see the clothes in this closet and you feel like they just don't fit. When Karen and I got married, we were both real thin. And though my wife has born six children, I'm the one that has held on to more weight. That sympathy weight, man. I tell you, it's tough to lose. But hey, it's good that I'm not as skinny as I, as I once was. I needed to grow. I needed to fill out a little bit. My body wasn't done developing when I was 21. And that's okay. But I'm not 21 anymore. And my body has been doing some developing that I'm quite a bit less comfortable with. The clothes that I used to wear, my favorite clothes, they still hang in my closet. I haven't been able to give them up. They, they still hang there with the hope that one day I'll be able to wear them again. As it is, I've had to buy some new shirts and, and some new pants, and when I purchase them, they fit. But, well, even some of the clothes recently purchased don't fit like I want them to anymore. It's clear that I'm continuing to, we'll keep using the nice word, develop. But now I'm developing in ways that I'm not excited about, in, in ways that embarrass me, in ways that, that bring me shame. It doesn't make me feel good when I'm straining the buttons on new shirts. Maybe we look at these clothes hanging in the celestial closet, these clothes that God wants us to wear, and we realize that not only would, be, would putting them on be ironic, but some of them just don't fit. We've developed in ways that we're not excited about, but to this point we have failed in reversing the course, and this is just where we are now. And there's no possible way that we can see that we could fit those clothes over this developed body or personality or this sinful life with these sinful habits. But these are the clothes that we have been given. These are the clothes that have been put in our closet, and so they are the clothes that we're supposed to wear. And Paul is clearly telling us to put them on, and so we do, but we don't feel comfortable in them. They show off the, the curves we're not supposed to have. The poor fit highlights how we've let ourselves go. It highlights how we're not what we're supposed to be or what we want to be. And as we look at all of this, as we stand in front of the mirror in clothes that expose what we have tried to hide, how are we doing? How are we doing with realizing that we are supposed to be putting on clothes that don't feel like they fit and wearing them in public? How are we doing with recognizing that, they, that we've got these clothes on? For many of us, they are on ironically. They are things that we're supposed to be, but don't really feel like we are. How are we doing with feeling worthy of the clothes that God has laid out for us? As we struggle through these realities and realizations, these instructions from the Lord, do not fret. God has not abandoned us to ill-fitting clothes and unreasonable demands. No, instead of expecting us to get ourselves in the shape we need to be in, to wear the clothes that he has asked us to put on, instead of abandoning us to the task that he has taken, to the task, he has taken an active role in shaping us. The clothes that God gives us change us. They shape us. They mold us. I've been looking for clothes to put on because of the changing of my body, but the clothes that God has given us to put on change us. The words put on in our text this morning are written in the present imperative tense, and so we're to understand this meaning as put them on and keep 
putting them on. It's not like we put these clothes on once and we have it all mastered. Though they are clothes, we put them on, and in our sin, we'll, we'll take them off. And so God's word to us tells us to persevere in putting them on, to do it again and again. We don't just wake up one day and decide to be humble or compassionate or kind or gentle or patient. These are things that take time. Anyone who has had a relationship with anyone knows this. And Paul is writing to the church in Colossae and to the church today that we are to continue to put these garments on. They'll be uncomfortable. But they aren't clothes for our comfort. Not initially. Like those wonderfully soft clothes from the Salvation Army. They will one day be a soft comfort to us. But until that day, they feel quite the opposite. They are clothes that shape us. They are garments that teach us and instruct us. Wouldn't it be nice if when we went shopping, we, we sought out clothes for the shape that we wanted to be? And when we put those clothes on, they shaped us and, and they molded us into the way that we wanted to look, into the form that we desired. Though that is not how it works with the clothes from the mall, that is how it works with the clothes of Christ. As we put on the clothes that he has given us, that he has clothed us with, they work on us, they mold us, they shape us. God is sanctifying us through the use of these garments. This is how he wants his people to live. And this is how he wants his people to interact with each other. Both people we know and people we don't know. These are the garments of a Christian. And instead of making them a certain size and expecting each of us to get into the correct shape to fit the garments, God has given us a garment that shapes us. God is doing the work through the garments he has given us to shape us into the children that he wants us to be. And in many ways, these garments of compassion, humility, kindness, gentleness, and patience are accessories for the garment that God has given us in Christ. As Dolores read this morning from Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, we read, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Christ is our ultimate garment from the Lord. Christ, the one who, because of his great love for us, came and lived among us, hungered and thirsted among us. He got blisters on his sandaled toes among us. He got fish bones stuck in his teeth with us. He slipped and skinned his knees. He knew what it felt like to be too hot. He knew what it felt like to be too cold. We struggle with feeling comfortable with garments that God wants us to wear. Imagine how uncomfortable it was for Jesus when he came to live among us. He was perfect, and yet he let himself be born into an imperfect world. We struggle because our sin has left us dirty, and God is making us clean. Jesus struggled because he was spotless, and yet he chose to live among the filthy. But more than chose to live among the filthy, on one incredible night, Christ took our filth, became sin for us on a cross, and there he died for our filth in our place. There he was abandoned by God for our filth in our place. But three days later, he rose from the dead. And in his rising, he defeated sin and death. He defeated the filth. And when we believe in him, he gives us robes of righteousness that filth cannot touch. When we enter into relationship with God, when we are baptized, when we have been given faith, we are reconciled with God and we have been clothed with Christ the one in whom we have put our faith. And so when God sees the believer, he doesn't see the dirty, sinful rags that we earned, but that Christ took from us. 
No, he instead sees the pure robes of righteousness that we have put on through Christ, his Son. And through this garment, we are being made new. I don't know where you are in your walk with the Lord or your walk of life, but know that God's promises are true. I know there are times that you feel filthy. Lord knows there are times that I feel filthy. Let us bring those filthy rags to the cross. Let us repent of our sinful works and confess our need to God. Church, friends, brothers, and sisters, when we repent, when we confess, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. The rags that we confess have been taken, and you are forgiven. You are clothed in richness, in the fullness of the righteousness of Christ. As we rest in these truths of God, as we continue to put on the garments laid out for us in our celestial closet, and as they shape us to be more like God, as the Spirit works through them to form us, sanctifying us to be more like Christ, let us never waver from the hope that we have in the garment of Christ. And as we rest in that hope, let us read the final verses in our text this morning, for this is where it goes. This is where we end up as we continue to put on the clothing that God has picked out for us. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's the kind of community God wants for us to have and to live in. A community that loves one another, that sacrifices for one another, that values each other, that worships together, that suffers together, that is unified and most of all, that lifts their voices in praise of God together. God will continue to shape us as a church here at Calvary and as a church universal. And one day, one glorious day, this vision will be fully and truly realized. But until that day, know that God is working on you. Know that he is shaping you. Know that he has covered you through the faith he has given you in the pure righteousness of Jesus Christ. And know that we can put all of our hope in that garment. What a fantastic, wonderful, amazing God we serve. Amen.